Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. Welcome, Susan Friedman. Uh, riches in niches, how to make it big in small markets. How are you doing, Susan? I'm doing well. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, fantastic. And I have been a fan of yours, I have to say, for quite a few years. I don't know if it was your first book, but I guess it was 2007 when you brought your Riches and Niches book out. I bought it and read it a couple of times because it was just full of such great information of you know, how to get into a business. Well, thank you. I'm very flattered. <laughs> it's always and, nice to know when people have actually bought and read the book. It's, uh, uh, and I, I did. I like I did. it. I like it. <laughs> and I was in books. I had a book company myself. I had 300,000 books online, oh, wow. uh, used books. And so I've always been a, a fan of books, you could say. <laughs> that's for uh, sure. Back, yeah. Yeah. I was, that's what I was doing back at that time. And I think I read somewhere you've not written one book. You've written like 10 books. Is that correct? I'm actually up to about 14 at the moment. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. We're, we're, we're collecting them here. So, uh, well, that's great. Uh, they're and, both self-published and with traditional publishers. You know, the Riches and Niches with through Career Press. I've got a dummies book and the dummies book for meeting and event planning for dummies and then the complete idiot's guide for target market target marketing. So yes, yes. Just let's explore that just for a second, the different ways of publishing, self publishing or or trying to find a big company to edit and do your book. If you were to do it all over again, what would you do your fourteen books? What way would you go? Well, I like the combination of the two. Um, however, getting published by a traditional publisher is getting harder and harder these days because they're very selective and as a first-time author, it's really tough. If you're, unless you're a celebrity or you have a really, really good agent who does a great selling job on your book, uh, it's tough. It's tough. I won't say it's impossible, but it's a challenge. It's, uh, it used to be a lot easier than, than it is now. So if you were to advise someone that said, okay, I want to write my first book, you would recommend going self-publishing? self-publishing, absolutely, and, and really make a mark with self-publishing. I work with a gentleman who actually self-published. I actually have a publishing company myself, Aviva Publishing. Wow. That was the way I started with self-publishing. I was like, well, it was easier to, to form a company and publish my own books in the beginning. Right. A colleague um, published through Aviva and he sold 100,000 copies of his book over a period of several years. But then he went to Wiley and he said, look, look what I've done. I've managed to sell 100,000. Well, they were very interested at that point and they actually republished the same book, but he already had a history, and he proved himself by um, selling the book. So that is a great way to go. I'm not saying there's no guarantee that a company would, a traditional publisher, would be of interest, of you know, be interested in the book. But it's better than starting at 
you know, zero and then taking a big risk mm, right. uh, as a first-time author. They definitely, one of the things that they, well, one of the things, one of the main things now that traditional publishers want is something called a platform. That if you have a platform as a speaker, um, as a celebrity, as uh, blogger. a blogger, if, you, if you've got a name out there and you can say, hey, I guarantee that we're going to sell 20,000 books because I have all these followers, um, or you could pre-sell the book, or, you know, that's very impressive. And then they start to take notice. If you know you're you're very proactive, if you're just relying on them to do all the marketing and selling, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You're better off. So you're promote. the one that has to promote it. <laughs> At the down. end of the day, and it, it's interesting you say that because I have a, a girlfriend who published through Simon and Schuster, and she published a book on diet, dieting, um, which is. Uh, Hot topic. A big area. Hot topic. Hot topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds of titles out there uh, in that area. But they bought into this, and I said to her, you know, you're going to have to do some public, some of your own marketing, and you should consider doing this, this, and this. She said, Oh no, I don't have to do any of that. My publisher is going to do all <laughs> that. I was like, I'm not so sure about that. And of course. Hate to say it, but I was right. <laughs> they didn't do very much, and of course, right. she didn't sell very many copies of the book. So then, second time round, when she went back to them and said, "Look, I've got a follow-up to this book," they said, "We're not interested. Your first book didn't do well at all. Why should we invest mm-hmm. in you second time around?" So um, it's worth, um, you know. I got you. Now, what about uh, the Kindle market? Because maybe there's some help there from Amazon if you print a book uh, through the Kindle application or whatever. What do you think of that? Well, it's a great way to get started. Um, Or or if you have a a self-published book and get it on Kindle as well if it's in print. Um, Again, don't rely on Amazon to do it for you. that's not that the business that they're in. Now, if it's selling, then they will, you know, then then they will help promote it. it, it it's it's once you're successful, then people will jump on the bandwagon. But you know, up until it, you've got to do some legwork to do that. You don't just put the title up there and expect Amazon to take care of it. Um, I've got you. I've got authors who have tried that and. They come back to me and say, "Well, it, they don't do anything for us." I said, "No, they're not. They're starving their job. <laughs> I don't think they're promising that, but somehow mm-hmm. people think magically just because it's on Amazon, it's, it's going so to big. sell. But that's mm-hmm. not the case. Somebody's no, going I've, to direct you to <laughs> the book. I've found that with products, the same thing. Exactly. You, you could put a fantastic product up on Amazon, but if it doesn't have a name. Uh, you sell zero. <laughs> you could have sent in uh, 5,000 of those items, but uh, <laughs> you have to do some marketing, you do. Uh, even you even do. for that. You do. You know, nothing sells itself. Uh, so it, it's all up to you in terms of what you do. And uh, uh, that's 
get other people to help. I mean, I just got a link today for somebody who wants to sell a course and they, they said, hey, send this link out to share this link um, and they can save, you know, X, X number of dollars for this mm-hmm. course. I was like, right. yeah, I, I'd be happy to put that out there. It's a nice savings and it's a good course, so why not? I've got you. So there's different ways of promoting oh, it and contacting people like yourself that has a following already is a a, a, a great way to approach it. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, one of the uh, services that I offer my authors is a, a book marketing strategy session where we talk about looking at uh, how can they promote this book. And the first question that I ask authors is, who's your target market? And this is mm-hmm. sort of honing in on, on the niche marketing. Here um, comes the niche, yes. That, yes. And the number of authors who come to me and they say, well, this is this is a good book for everyone. I was like, I don't think that you have the... Uh, wherewithal to market to everyone. You know, I don't think you're the Procter & Gamble. You're not a Fortune 500 company. And in order to market to everyone, that is, it can be very costly. So you're much better off being a big fish in a, in a small, um, a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond. Right, like your cover (laughs) of your book. (laughs) The cover of the book, it's so funny. When the publisher came back to me with, uh, this was the first cover they sent, and I fell in love with it. And for those listeners, it's it's a goldfish uh, swimming in one direction and um, a a school of uh, fish swimming in the opposite direction. And and it's really very... uh, What's the word? I just it stands out. It really does, and it's these orange fish on a goldfish oh, on a white background, and it really yeah. like it, it said it all. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. It got me to buy it. Say <laughs> it. I love it, and you know that packaging, Ken, is so important. I tell authors all the time: um, is you have got to love the cover of your book 110. percent You have got to be totally in love with it. Because it's the packaging, and people buy based uh, many times based on the packaging. Obviously, the title is going to be very important, but the packaging as well is a lot of what they buy. Uh, Johnny Ray, one of the people in one of my uh, groups I attend, uh, he. I think he said he's got a million followers or something on Twitter, wow. not something huge, but uh, he says uh, that uh, your cover is half the battle. Mm. Your your title and your cover. If that's good, you're going to sell a bunch of books. I'm just because I'm a of that good alone. company. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of my message, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Because if there's anything wrong with it, it's. And I got this from a colleague uh, from the National Speakers Association, one of my speaker colleagues who uh, once gave a, a session at one of our workshops, and she said, you know what, I didn't really like my cover 100%, and I couldn't sell that book. Mm-hmm. Every time, it was almost like she was ashamed to to show it to people. Um, and this comes over, and it, it could be just totally subconscious, but the fact is, if you're not totally in love with it, you have a hard time selling it. It's your baby, and you, you love this baby. You've nurtured it. You know, you've brought it into life, and now you've got to take care of it. And, yes, uh, nur- nurture it. it. Mm-hmm. And nurture it, and help it grow, and 
yeah, this is the mother speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I right away, of course, myself being an entrepreneur and always seeing opportunities, the first thing I think of is, wow. So there's probably thousands of books out there that the author would gladly sell it to you for pennies on the dollar. And the content is is amazingly good, and all you have to do is redo the cover and the title, and make it uh, from a no seller to a bestseller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, it really can work. Um, it's, it is. I mean, when when I go onto Amazon and look at a book, I mean, I do look at the cover, and I do obviously the the subject matter. I also look at the number of um, reviews it's had. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is important. Um, as I said to you, is if you haven't written a review, a review of the book, please, you know, we're just trying to add to the numbers there because yes. that helps. I'll do a well. review yes. when we get when, I, when we get off. Yeah, just make sure <laughs> it's a good review. one. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm and not I'll interested. Make, it, it'll be a five star. <laughs> it'll be a five star. Oh, because I say I. I I know your book was good. Just, Thank you. It, it was ahead that. of its time in 2007, probably. It was certainly up to date and probably ahead. Well, and this is interesting that you say that because I had this conversation the other day with somebody talking about material. Um, this can be just for articles. This can be blogs um, and books. The more evergreen you make your material, um, the long, the longer the life of it. Um, and what I mean by evergreen is material that can be used 10 years from now, 15 mm-hmm. years from now. And as you say, that's one of the things that I really, really look for is, is that when I write something, that this is material that if you pick this up five years from now, it's still going to be relevant. Um, so keep dates out of your conversation when you keep when dates, you keep anything. <laughs> yes, keep anything that refers to a time that is going to. So when somebody says, "Oh my goodness, you know, I listened to that, and oh, it's a bit outdated now. That was recorded, you know, five right. years ago, two years ago." Um, you start mentioning recent political events or something is going to really tie you into it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the more evergreen you can make it. Um, in fact, uh, example I like to give is I wrote an article um, in 1992. Uh, the trade show, as you've read the book, you know that my beginnings is in the trade show industry. And yes. that's where I you know, developed the whole idea. I became an expert in the field there. And it was those strategies that I used to become an expert in the field that I said, I wonder if they're duplicable in other environments. And, you know, when I took it to an editor and I said, hey, what do you think? And she said, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, these are strategies that That's anyone so can use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, one of the strategies that I used early on, right from the get-go, was what they now call content marketing, which is mm-hmm. writing articles. And yes. I, one of my very first articles was the 10 common mistakes exhibitors make. Well, that article, if you go on the Internet, you'll find that hundreds, if not thousands of times, because... It's evergreen material, evergreen and you can information. read that material today, and it's just as relevant as it was in 1992 when I read it, when I wrote it. Yes, yes. 
So, um, yes. Uh, so the more you can do that, um, the longer the life of anything you write. And if you're taking the time to write something, you know, hey, you want it to last as long as possible, mm-hmm. especially so, in this day and age. Where, yes, you know, look it over carefully. Over quick. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> There's um, cemeteries out there of of, <laughs> of unread, unsold books. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that was something I was discussing with someone the other day. Is get a minimal viable product out there. If you're doing a book, get a ten thousand word uh, book out there, not a hundred thousand word, to see if. You're up the right alley. If people are responding to you, what you need to change. Exactly. Interestingly enough, um, I just read a great book, by the way. It's called Essentialism by uh, Greg McEwen. And uh, he talks about the fact that before he even wrote a chapter, he put it out, the idea, the concept out on Twitter to get feedback from people (laughs) whether or not this was viable because the last thing he wanted to do was to take time to write a chapter about something that wasn't of interest to people. And so he got feedback before he even wrote it. So he great. sold the book before he wrote it. Well, he, he yes. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, I, I mean, mean at least stole the idea. Of, of, uh, but yeah, the chapters within it, but yes, absolutely. Um, but, uh, so it's part of that market research, and we've got these amazing tools at our fingertips now, um, and then they're only getting more intense. Um, so, hey, why not use them? Yes. Well, I think Tony Robbins, or a few, I, I better not name anyone in particular, but uh, there's particular writers in the past that have written the outline, uh, created the title, and then promoted it, and then decided I'll write it. Oh, yes. I know. I, I've seen that many times, is that uh, people have done that. Um, it's a great way to find out whether there's a market. People have pre-sold products before they produce them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you spend five years writing the book and no one wants it, that was five years wasted. Yeah. Well, um, I tell this to many of my authors as well, is when they don't know how many copies to print, I say, pre-sell it. You know, pre-sell mm-hmm. it now. Give people, you know, super-duper, uh, no-brainer price um, and say, hey, you know, it'll be available. You know, it's just going to the printer, but if you want to buy it for 50% off, uh, including shipping and handling, you know, um, here's the price. Buy it now. And that'll give you a very good idea of how many mm-hmm. people will even buy it, yep. you know, at the beginning. And you've pre-sold it. That can help pay for some of your printing costs. Absolutely. And maybe one thing, rather than even reducing the price at all, so, redu- you know, maybe reducing the value in their mind, keep the price at, let's say, whatever it is, 19.95, and say, I will also include a personal uh, CD of how I... Uh, all the background of the book, yeah. and that you get that, and that's priceless. I'll send that along for free when you buy it at the full price. Yes, yes, uh, that that irresistible offer of of bundling other things in with mm-hmm. it that would be a value that support the material that um, you know that you've written about. Um, yeah, perfect. Uh, Susan, I'd like I want to get into the book a bit because a lot of my uh listeners uh are seniors and they're very knowledgeable 
in mm-hmm. some area. Yep. I mean, it could be plumbing, it could be uh, uh, attorneys. I've promoted all kinds of attorneys, you know, all different fields, and they they want to see how to apply this. But I just want to get back to your entrepreneurial roots for a minute. Where, uh, uh, when did you first get excited about business or uh, just being an entrepreneur? What age or when when did it all happen to you or for you? It happened for me in 1989 when I was laid off for the third time. <laughs> ah, the laid off. Lots of people. <laughs> that was the uh, jumping board. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a jumping board. And it was like, uh, you know, I was like, I do not want this to happen again. And I am going to take control of my destiny and become an entrepreneur. And interestingly enough, um, I, I just actually wrote, a, a, um, was interviewed about this. You know, when did it start? Because I started mm-hmm. my own business doing trade show training. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked that niche and I picked that because 20 years previously, I'd been doing trade shows with my dad in London and uh, I used to walk around the show when there was, you know, when it was like downtime. And nobody was interested in talking to me. They they were reading, eating. They were just bored out of their minds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, one day I think I'd like to teach people how to do this more effectively. I don't know right. where that came from because I think I was all of 19 or 20 myself. <laughs> I was like, this is a bit of a chutzpah, to put it mildly. But still, I lodged that thought somewhere in my subconscious. And then fast forward 20 years when I'd been laid off, as I say, for the third time. And I'd worked in sales and marketing and PR. And I'd done lots of shows and I'd done training programs. I was like, you know what? Doing trade show training. I don't know anybody who's doing this. Nice. And so there you, I, you figured out a niche. I mm-hmm. figured out a niche without realizing that I was figuring out a niche. Um, I found out pretty quickly that there were a few other people doing it, but not many. You know, it, it was very easy to stand out from the crowd because at the time that I I started, I think there might have been half a dozen people that I know of mm-hmm. um, doing it. And so you were you were one of those uh, 20-year overnight successes. <laughs> well, it took, <laughs> as, as my, one of my mentors says, it took 15 years to become an overnight success. Yes. Right. That's <laughs> what every actor that's kind of point. or, you know, any, every successful person will tell you. Yeah, I mean, it took, it took a while, but my strategy was writing, uh, writing articles, which today so 19, would be blog posts. 20? Yeah, sorry. Was that at, at 19 were you writing? No, uh, at the time when I started oh, at, uh, at my company, okay. uh, I started writing um, articles. I felt that that would be a good way to be mm. seen as an expert. and it really You saw was. where the market was going, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wrote for every um, print magazine that focused on trade shows. Um, and then one thing led to another, and I I got a book published, and that book led to 
booklets um, that were bought by um, a display company, and they sold. They bought a quarter of a million of them. I mean, you know, so it, it, it's you know, one it mushroomed. It mushroomed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole at the end of the day, what I what I did without realizing that I did it until I sat down and wrote Riches and Niches was the fact that I was building credibility all along the line um, mm-hmm. over the years to be seen as an expert in the field. And, and that's what I established myself as. And within the trade show industry, I was sort of this quasi-celebrity um, um, because I'd built mm-hmm. myself up. People saw me. They said everywhere, you know, I was in a magazine here and a magazine there, and I wrote regularly uh, for other magazines. And so my articles were out there, and I was very visible. And that's, of course, is what now is very sexy as a content marketing. And uh, But that was the forerunner to content marketing and to blogging. Isn't it quite something, uh, inbound marketing compared to outbound marketing, <laughs> when someone's phoning you because they want your services, as opposed to you hitting the bushes and out there trying to say, you know, I have something for you? Yes, yes. Well, interestingly enough, um, people don't want to buy trade show training, you know, uh, so it's very hard to sell um, to people who hadn't experienced any pain. They come mm-hmm. to me um, when they haven't done well at shows and are sinking a lot of money into shows. Um, they suddenly say, ooh, um, this isn't good. You know, and hi- the higher-ups are saying, we need to do something. And that's when they seek it out. Um, Excellent. So. You can't, you're not going to make someone drink the water till they're ready. I mean, I could use alcohol anonymous. One of their rules is until the person's ready to quit, you don't even try to convert them. Exactly. Exactly. And you're saying until a person's already got enough pain that they did it the wrong way in uh, show uh, show marketing like you're doing or any field until they've reached a certain point, they're not ready yet. So why why go after them? Yeah. They have to need what you have to offer. And obviously, you're selling a solution to a problem as opposed to, and I, I mean, I did a lot of things incorrectly, if you want. You know, I was selling trade show training if I'd been selling, you know, a solution to a problem and focused more on that. You know, it might have been, uh, uh, you know, a lot easier. But, um, yeah, I mean... But we learn by through doing. We learn from doing, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah. But you know, more and more now, you, you want to be uh, in a niche market. There are so many generalists out there, and you know, it's really hard to swim in the same pool as a generalist. It mm-hmm. really is. And I like the easy life, Ken. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not into it. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, it's like let's make it easy for yourself. Find yourself a niche market. 
And then people are like, well, which niche market should I, you know, I pick? Well, so how how would you go about? Let's let's go into that now. Then. Well, uh, so now you want to pick it? Uh, I've got someone here that's listening. That's uh, sixty years old, fifty-five years old, sixty-five, and he's maybe been doing uh, insurance all his life, or he's been uh, a real estate agent, or whatever. But he's has a he has an expertise, but he's tired of doing it doing what he's been doing, and he, he wants to figure out how do I get out of the rat race of what I was doing and get into something that uh, I'm going to love and it's going to change my life. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, those two are actually very good examples of of, of uh, professions that uh, you could find some, some good niches um, in them. Uh, so in the book, I refer to my, a formula, my gel formula, G-E-L. I say it's the glue that, you know, brings it all together, helps you find that niche market. And so the G stands for uh, growth. You want to go into a growth market uh, if, if you want to get paid. If you don't want to get paid, then it doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay. But if you want right. to get paid, then I highly recommend going into a market where there's money. Um, so uh, the E stands for um, experience. Uh, go with your experience. You know, you've spent 20, 30 years or more in an industry. You know that industry. You know that industry inside out, back to front. You've got contacts in your industry. That's a great place to start. And then the yeah. L stands for you've got to love you know, the environment that you work in. Um, I like to use an example, and I believe I used it in the book, is uh, a speaker colleague of mine was uh, an RN, a registered nurse, and she was just burnt out with nursing. She just didn't want to go near nursing. Um, she was very funny. She wanted to, she did like speaking and she included her humor. And, you know, we talked about where, where do you want to go with this? Who, who's your target market? And, and she was really struggling with that. And we looked at the fact that, you know, nursing, you know, they need, they need humor. <laughs> They're stressed out. These oh, no kidding. Humor. My daughter's in a, an RN and going go. on, going on to the next level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like they definitely need stress busters, and humor is a great stress buster. Um, and so she found herself a, a niche within the nursing community. Since she's an RN, they respected her. She has credibility. She understood their environment because she came out of their environment. So mm -hmm. it was a win-win and they embraced each other um, in that niche market. So going back to your insurance, so your, your agents, I mean, insurance, think about all the different um, elements of insurance there are. I actually spoke to... Yes, um, specialties, all kinds specialties. of... Specialties, you've got... RV, you, you've got uh, motorcycles, you, you've got uh, commercial um, 
residential. You've got all different types of of um, insurance uh, that you can uh, go with. Automobile insurance. That's I was thinking of automobile when I said mm-hmm. these other ones. But you've got home insurance. You've got uh, you know company insurance, uh, uh, business insurance. So you've got so many different kinds of insurance. I mean, uh, being in the trade show arena, there was insurance just to go to be involved with trade shows. I mean, so there were so many different niches. And so it's finding one where, as I said, it's a growth market Mm -hmm. and that you have interest um, or you can learn, you know, if you know insurance, you might be able to take that knowledge and twist it a little bit if you want to go into automobile and then it might be collision insurance for teenagers. Uh, wow, is there a market for that? Yeah. I don't know. But... We got a friend in that yeah. boat. <laughs> he, he had to give his license up for him to be able to live at home mm. because of the insurance situation. Mm-hmm. They didn't want him to have his license, period. There you go. I mean, but there may be insurance companies who'd be willing to do that. It's Obviously, it's high risk, and premiums would probably be out the wazoo, but hey, Maybe but the profit might be out of exactly. the exactly. Look at all these teenagers who are driving. Um, unfortunately, many of them are texting as well. But you know, that's another issue. Yes. But yeah, it's um, so it's really looking at the experience that you have. If you're an engineer, if you and let's say you, you want to teach stress management, I mean, you know, couple it with. Um, an element within the engineering environment that people are really stressed out. Um, so it does need a little bit of research. It might not jump out at you. On the other mm-hmm. hand, it might jump out at you. But um, I would go definitely where you have experience and knowledge rather than try and learn something all over again at 50 or 60 years old, which I'm not sure that people really want to do. I mean, if you do, God bless you, but that's right. not what I would want to do. <laughs> now, you can, you can, like you say, you can always have too broad a market, but if you niche down too far, if you said, okay, I'm going to do automobiles, I'm only going to do... Uh, cars that are worth a hundred thousand and more. I just want to cater to those people. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you went saying only those that own lotuses, mm. maybe you've gone too far. But then you can always back up from there. But if you do the general, you never get off the ground. Yeah, yeah. That's what well, you're saying. you've got so much competition that you can get very disillusioned very easily. But yeah, I like your example. Um, you know, but there may be a need for people with loads of those. I don't know. Um, I'm just making it up but here. No, that's, that's great. You know, but there may be uh, Rolls Royces. You know, uh, you're right. dealing with a whole different market, but, you know, you've got Rolls-Royce, if you've got a Bentley or a Cadillac or, um, you know, high-end, and you specialize in that market and you know how to go after the people who are in that market, um, hey, why not? And the fact that you say that you only do Rolls-Royces makes it an exclusive kind of club oh, right away. Oh, my goodness. And, and the kind of people who by Rolls Royces, you know, love being in, in elite clubs because that's why yeah, they buy clubs, one yeah. of those. I mean, it's a big ego thing. So it's like, so you say I have, the, all, the queen has all her fleet 
insured with me. How would you like to be yeah. a part of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, or, you know, many of the heads of state, uh, you know, drive rolls. Or the uh, president of the United yeah. States, whatever. Oh, I think, yeah. Doesn't he have a Cadillac? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't sure. think he'd be driving a British car. <laughs> I think he's riding in the back, whatever he's in. <laughs> oh, dear. yeah, that's uh, that, that's true. That's true. But yes, um, it's also once you you've narrowed it down, test it out, and I say, is it a growth Let's market? Let's get into testing. Yes. Yeah, t- test it out. See where do you where do you test? So, okay, now you've decided. I'm going to uh, uh, look for people that just. Just drive Lotus cars, and that's. I'm going to tell them that I'm a special club, and you need to be insured by me. Where would you go first to try to get uh, your name out about about that field? Where would you go to Craigslist? Where Where would you go? I have no clue, to be honest with you, in that particular field. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay, someone's just starting out in the trade show. Well, there, there, where, there have where would to be clubs. There have to be associations. There are associations for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look for associations. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, there are clubs. There are user clubs. There are people who sell the cars themselves. You know, the the dealers. I mean, those would be good people to uh, to look at as well. Okay, so the dealers that are selling the lotuses, and they, uh, you could make a maybe work a deal with them that everyone, uh, that name they give you, and you uh, you sell them the insurance, you give them whatever. I, of course, you have to be careful with insurance because then, if you do revenue sharing or something, then you get in trouble. But certain fields, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But again, I mean, even just asking the questions and you know doing your research first before you you, you know you you do any joint ventures with people um, is to do your due diligence to find out is there a need for this and you know ask the questions. It's just finding the right people to ask, um, and it's as you say either users or people who mm-hmm. sell um, the the product. Uh, and there are right, clubs, so you, there are associations, you know, it, it going online and, and, and as I say, doing your research. Okay, so you, maybe you could do this Lotus thing after all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, it know. may not be such far flung, but any any of the elite cars, if it's a Ferrari or it's a Jaguar or um, I don't know, a Lamborghini, uh, you can see that I'm really into... Uh, a Porsche, <laughs> mm-hmm. or you could do you could do the reverse and say I only sell to uh, movie stars. Yeah, exactly. And so now you've got all the expensive cars, but you you don't qualify unless you're whatever a certain level or something. Yeah, I mean you would have to have contacts. I I would think it would be challenging to start out and just say, oh, I only sell to movie stars. Well, you'd have a few, you'd have to have a few under your belt to, I you. um, mm-hmm. to go out and, and just do that. Um, but again, if, if you're in the market and, and you know people or you've sold to people in the past, you've got connections, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's all right. So I'm just trying to narrow. So we're 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 trying to discover the secrets of a particular niche. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's snails or whatever it might be, and we have to figure out uh, 
am I better off to train someone how to grow their own or whatever? So the, all the different avenues. But so with the car thing, you would go for to see what associations are hooked up with uh, lotuses. Then you would look for all the uh, dealerships that sell lotuses. So there's there's two excuse me sources uh, of uh, and, uh, figuring out how to do this business. What else might you might you? Yeah, do? we said user clubs. Um, user clubs, yeah, good. I mean, the the people out there. There may be magazines, publications. Magazines, that, um, great. That sell to these kind of people. Uh, you know, uh, so one thing will lead to another. I don't know that I can give you a list per se, but one thing, it's like Sherlock Holmes. You put on Sherlock Holmes hat and one thing will lead to another. Uh, and you, you, you go with it and look where the people who you would potentially like to sell to, where do they hang out? Oh, that's and, nice too. You know, what, what you can pick the group you to? want to deal with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What websites do they go to? What what publications do they read? Um, so those are those are good places uh, to, to to definitely start. And then, as you go to every one of these groups, you can say, "Do you have any ideas or referrals you can give me?" Well, again. You know, that kind of a market, you'd have to have some history um, and for people to be able to refer. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think people, so you'd have to sort of build a credibility. This is where I would start writing and be seen on blogs. So content, content, content marketing. Content marketing, mm -hmm. articles, giving a guest blogger. On Lotuses or yes, whatever. Yes different aspects and already be seen to be out there and then your name is already, you know, on the tip of their tongue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, this guy who wrote uh, this article. And of course, in your byline, then you, you can say, you know, your website, uh, the website and give them a reason, give them an incentive here are the top ten um, dealers. Something buying tips when it comes to yes. uh, lotuses, you know, or uh, antique antique cars. So um, you want to you want to be savvy and start looking at ways in which you can be seen as an expert in the field. And now, then, one thing that will make you an expert is writing a book. Oh, without without a doubt, writing a book. So you want to I mean, write a book on lotuses? Yeah, <laughs> publish. Be a published author. Um, absolutely. I mean, you can see politicians are doing this now. Um, any celebrities are, are are doing this. It's the in thing. It's like you know, you've got a book written. Most of them are not written by these people that they're ghostwritten, mm -hmm. but it doesn't ghost matter. Ghostwriters, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. People don't say, oh, did you have your book ghostwritten? No, you know, it's like you, they've got a book out there. They're a published author. Um, it's part of their platform now, and it sets them apart. Um, and it, it, it's becoming more and more, um, you know, expected, especially if you're uh, in the speaking business, that you are a published author as well. So any of these people, the CEOs, um, the celebrities who want to go on the speaking circuit, having a book 
definitely helps to set them apart and obviously it helps sales of the book um, if if they're speaking as well. Now, some people have this thing in their head, well, I can't write a book till I'm famous, but it's probably the other way around. Totally. You need to write a book to become famous. Yeah, yeah. yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, because don't be it, afraid. It can t- uh, you know, again, it could take 15 years to become that celebrity, um, but there are quicker ways to do it, and you can see people rising up in the ranks out of nowhere, you know, having Kindle books, having um, writing blogs, being a guest blogger, uh, sharing mm-hmm. information, doing webinars, teleseminars, being on panels. I mean, you're out there with the people, who, you know, and being seen by the people who could potentially be your prospects. Um, and And that's, the way to be seen as the experts. If you start getting seen everywhere, which of course is just a perception, uh, you're not everywhere, but people, you know, you, your name Think comes you up are. two or three times and they're like, oh my goodness, you're everywhere. You know, I love it when people say that to me because uh, I know that it's impossible that I'm not everywhere, but they've seen a book or they've read a book, they've seen an article, they went on the website, you know, so my name is, let's say, front and center for them, and they're like, wow, yeah, this woman's everywhere. She's got to be an expert or she is an expert. You know, I've read the books and et cetera. So, and, of course, and the other thing, people start recognizing that, that item, like, you know, you buy a new CRV Honda car, and suddenly everywhere you look are CRVs. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the same uh, thing that happens. And you say, and you, as you say, you say, oh my goodness, I never saw, never noticed this car before. And then all of a sudden they're all out there. They're all, they're all over there. the place. Um, so, so yes, I mean, um, my uh, daughter and son-in-law just bought um, a BMW, I think it was the X1, and I'd never heard of it before. Never heard of it until they mm-hmm. bought it. Of course, now I see them all over the place. They see them all over the place. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, the, what else do you think but, your listeners would be interested in, Ken? Well, uh, picture this, that many of them have either lost their jobs, okay, mm-hmm. they're maybe 55, uh, 60, uh, 65, and there's no jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one's going to hire them. There's a, you know, a guy 25 years old uh, that are surrounded by that will work for a quarter of the money, and uh, they're going to hire that younger fellow. So, so these, these folks don't have a, much of a chance on the competition end. And I have no idea why, because they know probably 10 times what the 25-year-old uh, knows, but the company's thinking ahead and maybe they're going to be here for 30 years and this guy will be dead by then. So, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not sure what all, I mean, to me, I would be hiring the older person because I've already done, gone through that and the older person can do the job better uh, and is more reliable and has all kinds of qualities, but companies are not looking at that for whatever reason. They're seeing all the bad parts. Oh, they're old. Uh, the insurance is going to be bad. They're going to get sick. And you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're, you, they're you hit on, the nail on the, on the head. You said 25 years of experience, and that's what they package. 
they take the 25 years of experience and look at obviously what's relevant now. I mean, stuff that was relevant, you know, 20 years ago, especially mm-hmm. in in anything technical. Technology. And technology <laughs> is is uh. going to be passé. But wherever they can, there may be things that they can take aspects of the, their knowledge that they can package, um, and that's what's going to be valuable, and that's where they can stand head and shoulders above, you know, this 25-year-old. Um. Absolutely. And it's just when you're used to solving problems, then it's just another problem. Mm-hmm. It might be a recent problem, but you're used to solving them. And and I found that I, I was promoting attorneys one time. I don't, you know, that was something I did uh, in my past life. And I just figured out ways that they said it's impossible. There's no way that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And it flew like crazy. But, you know, I came in not knowing anything about law and saying, no, this is the way you should do law. I first tried to uh, promote attorneys the way they're used to. And that was a dismal failure. I read all their books, did it their way and said, threw all the books away and said, okay, now I'm going to do it my way. And in that case, I uh, I had some attorneys I worked with Within two months of doing it my way, they were at $65,000 plus billing per month, which, you know, doing it their way would have taken 10 years at least, <laughs> the, the traditional way. So I think older people have incredible knowledge that can be applied to today. Oh, well, I mean, I was yeah, applying my knowledge. Away, to, you know. that, that's, that's invaluable, your experience, you know, uh, and you can't buy that experience. Um, it's just the the price you paid for doing whatever you did over time. But hey, now cash in on that as much as you can. Right. Obviously, as I say, it, it would need to be packaged. Um, but there are ways and people who can help you in terms of putting something together that uh, could be extremely marketable and. Anybody can do it. And I see this too. I think a lot of my listeners, they have information on a particular field that may have died. <laughs> you know, maybe they, they were extremely good at uh, film and developing. Mm. But, you know, at one time, I used to make $1,000 a day profit from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you couldn't make 10 cents, you know, because <laughs> the time has come and gone. But what they learned there is applicable to the technology today. They just have to start transferring, updating what they learn and, and apply it to today is what I think. And I think my, a lot of my listeners, the problem they have is they think that they're washed up, a lot of them, and it's totally a lie. They've just begun. Exactly, exactly. But they've got to believe that themselves. Um, and you can say it till you're blue in the face, uh, but they've got to be ready for that, realize it's a fabulous opportunity uh, that they can go in. They can be consultants. Consultants get paid a lot of money, some mm-hmm. of them. And again, they're using their expertise in a certain area uh, to help people. Um, and so, yes, um, so that that longevity, you've, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears, hey, let's cash in on it. I think, again, the losses, I think a a problem, probably part of the problem is that people think of, well, gee, I've made this mistake and that mistake and I've lost this money, lost that money. But that was part of your learning process. And I can't remember it was some steel, uh, big steel uh, owner at one time. And one of his employees uh, had lost him at that time, like a million dollars, which was, you know, like 
100 million today. And they came in and said, well, should we fire him? And he said, absolutely not. We just paid a million dollars for his education. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure not getting rid of him. <laughs> so I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, people, I think here's what it is, is that if we look through the glasses properly with all you've learned, all you've learned, all people, that the listeners have learned, if you look at it properly, the glass is half full and getting fuller. Uh, if you look at it the wrong way, it's there's a leak and it's all going out. But it was all perception. Exactly, exactly. You know, so that's, you just, that, that's and you've been an expert at, at applying that to niches. I mean, you say, okay, uh, I know something about this. Let's make it make some money out of it and look at the courses you've developed and and the expertise you develop. And like, I think the other great thing you said too is don't go after a market that's dying. Like this is not a good time for going after developing a film. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah. No and one's Kodak, doing that. Or, or very small. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, so yeah, that's it's gone. It's, it's coming on. So look for growth markets. Look for growth and, markets. Right. So Ken, what I'd like to offer your um, listeners is, yes. if they would like to, you know, have um, an hour consulting with me. Um, I normally do that for two fifty an hour, but I would be more than happy to give them a hundred dollars um, discount um, because they listen to this. And All right, they're they're a fan of yours. If they want to get in touch with me, it's Susan at richesinniches dot com. Susan at richesinniches dot com. And, and I'll put that on the show notes that, too. That that'll be wonderful. So they'll have that. It's been a uh, is there any other way they can get a hold of you besides that, your website? That's Yeah, they can go to uh, richesinniches.com. There's also a little, um, you can sign up for a free 15-minute um, introductory conversation with me. Um, okay. But their, best, their best bet is to take advantage of, of this, uh, this, this offer. So, so your offer again, your normal amount per hour is two fifty. Two fifty, and you get minus a hundred, so you're almost half price. Fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. So for, but they have to tell me that they people. were they heard it on on the uh, Ken Queen uh, show. Income income yeah. for baby boomers. Okay. All right. And uh, so mention oh, your name. Okay. That will be super. Is there any last message that you'd like to give all the boomers that are listening this today? Just look at your experience and really just see what you can do to monetize that because there are riches in those niches. <laughs> and Amen. Yeah. So, uh, But it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you, Susan, for taking the time out to, to – uh, Give us all this fantastic information, and I'm sure many of us can use it, including myself. I, I appreciate it. And I've loved your book, and I, 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 it's just great to, to get to speak to you. And uh, I thank you, and maybe 50 or 60 shows from now, we can interview you again and see what you're up to. There you go. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks again, Susan. All Bye. right. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. 
Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.